John, I think we're going to have to call this uh, iDeveloper the jet lag edition. Is that why you're up so early? It is. It's about, it? uh, about 3.30 here and um, I'm just wide awake staring at the ceiling. So I thought, well, you know, we were scheduled to record in about two, two and a half hours time. I thought, well, I might as well come and do it now. But of course, now I'm up and around and not just let on my back staring at the ceiling. I'll probably fall asleep while just talking to you. You are my, I, you are my solution to jet lag. But you're no. I hope I'm not. You're also your solution to not being able to sleep. Do I put you to sleep? I, I'm wondering what percentage of our listeners um, use us in, in in place of Ambien or some other prescription <laughs> somnambulant. Yeah, I was um, listening to the um, Accidental Tech podcast a number of months ago. I can't remember who it was now, and they were they were discussing the sounds that they um, have either side of their adverts that to, to distinguish it. They're going into a, you know, an ad break of some form because they just do ad reads, and um, they tried different things. And one of the regular complaints they've got is um, some of the sounds that they uh, they had were too harsh. It were waking people up when they were using the podcast to go to sleep to. <laughs> Well, Which good. I can fully well, appreciate because I, I often will, you know, if I, if if I'm tired and I go to bed and but you know, but there's my brain is sort of um, sort of just engaged with something. I'll often sort of put a podcast just on the speaker of the iPhone or something just to um, you know, just just to create a background noise to create some sort of distraction, and you know, regularly wake up you know a number of hours later and the podcast is finished and I have no idea what was in it. So it's it's not necessarily because people are boring. It's because sometimes our brains need a little bit of distraction. Hmm. Well, we should probably ask our, our listeners. I, I'm wondering if there are any among them who, I don't know, operate heavy machinery or maybe a nuclear power plant in France. If, 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 if you'd care to write in and tell us what your favorite activity to engage in while listening to, to iDeveloper Live, I would be much obliged. Please do write into us. That will be that will be fun. And and talking of, of distractions, um, before we get into uh, our topic um for this morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you happen to be when you're listening. Um, the Obviously, the videos from Dub Dub 2016, which was just last week, uh, are all available to download now. And um, someone on the internet um, just goes by the name of Oho. Uh, I have no idea whether that's a nickname, an abbreviation, or a real name, so many apologies, has done a little script in Swift that um, you can just run from the command line and it will download all of the videos for you to your hard drive, um, which is going to be running for me any moment now. So um, if you're looking to download them all and keep them, because that's the way you do it, then we'll put a link in the show notes, just uh, one little command line run and uh, off you go. They're all down. So whoever you are, thank you very much, because that saves going through the site, clicking download for all of them. Yeah, it certainly saves on child labor, because that's what I was going to do. Yes. <laughs> So, John, we said it was it was WWDC last week, and that means yeah, we discussed that a little bit um, in our show at the end of the week because uh, it's only been about three or four days since we last recorded. You know, it's a miracle for us that we're so soon again. But um, obviously, uh, iOS 10 was announced, loads of new stuff in there, and macOS Sierra was announced. And you thought it would be quite good if we maybe did a little bit of a, a tips and tricks and hints and experiences show about adopting new APIs or just different APIs. Um, so uh, this could be a very short show. It could be a very long show. We've not been through any of this. So over to you. 
Okay, well, so I think this is a common occurrence, you know, especially if, if you work with other people, you know, you go off to WWC and then you come back on Monday morning and you say, what was really cool? What do you think we should adopt? You know, what should we, you know, rewrite everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if you have a shipping product, that is something that, you know, you have to be very careful about it. Of course, if, if you're going uh, and doing Xcode, you know, new project, you can use all the new Shiny. Um, but for people who, who have to support existing operating systems, you, you have the question about, well, which features are worth, worth you know, adapting? And if, if they are worth adapting, what do you, what do, you do with the old versions and old customers? Um, and so that that's something that that we had a little discussion about, and, and without kind of uh, <clears throat> revealing trade secrets, I, I you know we're, we're, the, the, the shorter answer is we haven't made final decisions. Um, but this is something that that I, I guess I've been through a couple of times, um, and I don't have all the answers, but I think I certainly have some questions to raise, and maybe even you and some of our listeners have some some answers for some of them. Um, I guess the first question that comes into are, are things like. How far back do you support something? And and I seem to find that it's pretty standard industry practice to to support the current shipping version and one back. And so that means that well, if you're planning on something that's going to ship for iOS 10, does that mean that you can now adopt you know, technologies that's only for iOS 9? Um, and that's something I'm I'm thinking strongly about. Um, and one feature that comes to mind is stacks, um, stack views, which make it a lot easier to to deal with groups of views without having the overhead of an actual UI view. Um, and that's something that, you know, you, you can't support if you want to support, you can't ship with if you want to use iOS 8. That That's a particular one because it, it fundamentally changes how something works. So it's not like an additional feature that you could kind of hide. It just, you know, you really can't use a, a, a zip file that uses stack views and ship it in an app that supports iOS 8 unless it's a feature that, you know, that's just, just completely hidden, right? So that's, you know, it, it, it's such a dilemma that I even am aware of of somebody that implemented a backwards compatible uh, version of, of Stacks for, for iOS 8. And presumably it just kind of uses the, the iOS 9 implementation and the rewritten implementation on iOS 8. So um, that's something that we've seen with, 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 with some API. Um, but then there are other APIs, and something that immediately comes to mind is there are some new accessibility features, one of which is, is custom rotors. Um, and so custom rotors are, are basically a way of, of nav- navigating through large chunks of an application. Um, so there's a really good video, and I should link to, to it, about uh, so, you know, what's new in accessibility. And that was something they, they, they talked about, which I thought was actually quite good. Um, do you have, are you familiar with rotors, Scotty? I'm not, John. Educate me. Educate me. So rotors are a way of basically, it's, a, it's almost like a dial, right? It's a dial that lets you, in, a, in effect, it's, and even the way they, they, they demoed it, you can imagine what if you could turn all your, your UI elements into something and filter them with a predicate, right? So you could say, uh, the, the example they gave, let's say you have a map view and you're, you're pointing out things that are hazards, right? So if you're taking a walk with your dog and this is a hazardous place because there are little children or it's a, you know, a school crossing or whatever, and so you should be aware of that. So you could say, well, I, I want to, you know, flip through the, the map view and only land on annotations that are hazards, right? So a rotor is a way of, of, of jumping from one UI element to another UI element, UI element that follow that, that, that meet a certain criteria. So, you know, another implementation of it is, for instance, headings on a web page, right? So there's the heading markup that you can use to, to kind of, you know, divide up your document. So a rotor then in terms of voiceover is 
it's a gesture which you it, it looks like a knob and it, it appears on screen as, as a kind of a dial that you you swipe through um, and then you choose that I want to navigate just only meeting you know only landing on, on these items that meet that criteria and so it, it used to be that that only you know you you couldn't make your custom ones now you can make custom ones so that kind of gave me some ideas um, at work or even in any number of projects so that was something I was thinking well that would be kind of cool to implement and that is a, an API which you you could um, because you're not really taking functionality away from from people that that are on older operating systems. So in other words, you're not completely cutting off uh, you know part of your application. Um, it's just it's new technology that only serves you know only is available on a new version of operating system and just makes it's additive. It makes something better, but the presence of it doesn't eliminate you know a whole chunk of of the application. So I think that that's a potentially a good candidate for an API that you could adopt. Um, and still be backwards compatible. So then the question is, how do you do it? And you know, in the old Objective C days, the, the the recommendation from Apple has always been, don't test on version numbers. Just you know, take advantage of uh, Objective C. What was it called? Oh, dynamism, right? <laughs> to be able to see if 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 a class responds to a, a selector or implements a method. So you could basically say, you know. And that's a very, very safe way of doing it, and then you don't have to, to deal with version numbers. But then, and this I'm going to uh, count on you and your superior knowledge, they, they, they actually released a, a new API, didn't they? Was it with, with the last, uh, with iOS 9, which you know, basically says, no, 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 let's go back to version numbers. Isn't that correct? Yes, you can, you can um, query which version of the OS you're working on, um, and so that you don't have to re- rely on um, that Objective-C support selector stuff which so many code bases do yeah i think um this is this is an interesting one isn't it because i think apple have always officially recommended i know in i know in mac os or os 10 as it used to be the recommendation was always current version and one back um i i don't know if that was always the official policy for or the recommendation not policy for ios um i guess it makes a difference that um which devices or which machines um, basically became obsolete as an operating system came into play. So I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, um, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, uh, there was no devices dropped out of the list of that could run iOS 8 to iOS 9. The upgrade to iOS 9 didn't lose any devices from the list. Whereas I think, if I remember rightly, iOS 10, all of the iPhone 4, Four S's drop out of compatibility, so um, I guess it depends on your app and your user base. So they're going to be iPhone, you know, they're on the latest iPhone, so they're going to be using older hardware. Might dictate that. So if 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 there's been two or three OS upgrades where no devices have fallen out, you may be able to be more aggressive than when a device does fall out of the um of the list of compatible ones. Um, and the same on the Mac. I think even with Mac OS Sierra. Um, again, I might be wrong here. Uh, um, I seem to remember that it was um, any Mac pre two thousand and ten is pr- I don't think can run it. I know something like the old, the old cheese grater two thousand and ten Mac Pros, or was it the two thousand and eight version of them? Um, can't necessarily run Mac OS Sierra. So again, it, it depends on, on on your audience and is that hardware going to drop out make any difference? However, you know, just as developers, if we don't adopt new APIs, then our apps fall behind um, and we lose competitive advantage. But equally, 
it gets harder and harder to bring the app up to date. I've I've inherited a, a, an OS ten code base recently, um, uh, which I'll talk more about on another another episode, another edition. Um, and it currently supports back to ten point five, I think. Um, and we are, which is still, uh, it's not even an arc based code base. I think there's even some garbage collection code in there. Um, you know, and right now my, you know, it's not about, do I adopt a new API? It's about how do I make sure this whole app doesn't stop running when Mac OS, uh, Mac OS, can we keep calling it Mac OS Sierra? It just, um, just, just seems too long, doesn't it? When the next release of Mac OS comes out, you know, the, I think garbage collection goes away, so things might stop working there. So if you don't take your app forward on a reasonably, um, oh, I'm not going to use the word aggressive, what would be a good word? Uh, if you're trying to support too many versions, actually it just gets harder and harder and harder to adopt new APIs because you're now having to cover more and more bases. So I think you know, this is a difficult decision. Um, it probably does depend on your app, and it's probably different for every person. But I don't think... Especially now, OS uh, OS ten, sorry, Mac OS, is is a free upgrade. Uh, unless you're having to support, you've got the type of app that really does support people with, um, you know, very old laptops. So I guess if you were doing a, a B to C, a business to customer app, where you know your customers could be, you know, they might buy a laptop once every ten years, five years, whatever, you could be doing. Um, looking at that, you might have to go back further. But I think you know, otherwise, to keep pushing forward and it's based as much on what hardware can be supported as much as anything did that make any sense or was that just too much waffle no it did but i was going to point out something unless i'm mistaken i think there actually are significant number of ipad models that that can't run uh ios 10 so um that's significant to a lot of different apps um so that that's something certainly that we're we're, we're keeping in mind um and and it, it, there's there's another uh, article that popped up, which would be good for the show notes. Uh, our, our old friend uh, Justin Williams was talking about upgrading the the TED app, um, and that's a code base that's been around for a while. And that he, he said that you know, among other things, a, a big feature in this release was localization, and that's of course something near and dear to my heart because the, I did a lot of work to, uh, to make Findery localizable, and, and there were a lot of places where you know we 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 bailed on auto layout and. You, you really can't effectively localize and you certainly can't uh, you know do right to left languages I mean I guess it's technically possible but without you know it would be an insane amount of pain so you know adopting auto layout was was kind of an excuse it was a necessary condition to be able to do a, an aggressive localization and, and then that begets a whole other set of changes and he had an interesting point he, he said you know and, he, and the other thing too is that he was saying well, you know, we should be re- rewriting and swifting we, we haven't even really talked about that yet. But he, his recommendation was interesting to say, well, okay, here's a, a very discrete part of the application, and we can try this in Swift without breaking anything else. And then, you know, there's also the, the kind of uh, the Boy Scout rule, right? So there was an interesting talk at, at Alt from a, a fellow who worked at Parse and then, you know, went to Facebook with that and has a lot of experience in, in uh, you know, uh, interoperation between Swift and, and Objective-C. And so, you know, since there's plenty of Objective-C code that was written before Swift ever existed, there were some, you know, additional annotations that, that have been added to Objective-C that make it play better with Swift. And, and so the, the gist of it was, you know, don't rewrite for the sake of rewriting, but if you are having to go back and touch some code, there are certain things you can do to make it interoperate um, better. And then where you can go forward, rewrite in Swift, there's a, an interesting option. Um, so yeah, we we definitely live in, in interesting times because we have both 
APIs and we have languages to, to consider moving forward. And, and you know, the bigger your installed base, the, the, the bigger issue you have. So in, in reality, it's, it's, it's as much a business development question as anything else. Yeah, I have to say on the on the language front for adopting the new language, I'm I'm a little torn now. I mean, when Swift first came out, I was all gun ho and go for Swift. And um, I still say for new projects or, or whatever like that, Swift without doubt. I mean, I, I love Swift, and any time I do you know far new projects, Swift only choice. I don't you know I don't even consider using the Objective C. However, having spent the last sort of year eighteen months working on a couple of mixed code bases. Um, it does have some problems mixing Swift and Objective-C. Um, I think if you're just adding some small utility classes or whatever, and you're just going to use those classes from Objective-C, um, that tends to work pretty well. But when you start you know, writing bigger classes that are going to use some of your existing Objective-C classes, and that class might get, your new Swift class might get used in some Objective-C classes, and it begins to uh, mix up, you can get some uh, circular reference issues with headers because... Swift has to, basically it produces a, a, a .h file for the whole project uh, based on your Swift code and what's declared public or internal. And you because you've only got this one .h file, anytime you need to use a Swift class in an Objective-C class, um, you have to include your project's Swift.h file. Um, and of course, if your uh, bridging header um, file that Swift is using includes the um, file that you're now including the Swift in, you get a circular reference. And because you know Swift is all in just one file, breaking that down in some of the ways you would have done with Objective-C can become quite messy and the whole thing. And, and enums don't translate that well and stuff like this. And so I'm becoming more, more convinced, I'm not say totally convinced yet, that you know if you have an Objective-C code base, just keep using Objective-C. I don't really think... You know, it's not like Objective-C can't use any new APIs. It's not like it's fallen behind um, in, in great ways. They're, you know, they've added things like generics to the language, so some of the cool stuff that we like from Swift is in there. Um, and just adding Swift to the code base for the sake of it, I'm, I'm not sure about these days. I mean, I mean, one day, one day Objective-C might start to fall behind, and then you might have to make that decision. But right now, I think again, this inherited code base, I've uh, I've gone, obviously going back to 10.5 subjective C and I'm just thinking, you know, I, I need to rewrite a bunch of stuff in there. It just going to keep it in option C because you know, why add potential issues that you don't need to add when there's a language I know it's not like it's a language I hate or anything. It's a language I've loved for a number of years before Swift came along. It can do everything I need it to do. Yes. I lose the type checking in, in all the rest of it, but you know, we've lived without the type checking for the last you know 10 years. So, you know, uh, you know, my skill set allows me to to do that, and I admit there are some fairly horrible Objective C code bases out there where people just pass things around in ID and they've no idea what it is, and they just typecast it to something else when it comes out. And you know, you find people typecasting one object to a totally different type of object, and obviously isn't going to complain. Um, crashy, crashy, crash. But uh, so there's all those issues. But you know, if you've been a decent Objective C developer. <laughs> Um, for the last, you know, however long, then you you already deal with that stuff. So, you know, I'm not totally convinced that to feel the need to put Swift into the code base. But of course, as a contractor and working on several of my own projects, I get to use Swift 
in other places. So I don't necessarily feel the need that I have to use it in order to learn it or whatever else, because I am using it. And maybe if I just had one code base and I had to work on, I would be feeling differently about that because I needed to bring my Swift skills up to date or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and, and James Dempsey, um, uh, said he said it this year he said it last year he says that you know in talking with a bunch of other developers that whatever decision they made whether it was to stick with Objective C or to to move to Swift they were very glad of their decision so I mean from from my point of view uh, you know maybe I will show some of my crustiness but I I, I never you know I, I've I, I've loved Objective C I still do and and, and kind of always will <clears throat> so I, I've never kind of thought oh there's something about the Swift language or or the the syntax that makes me long for for, for something new. Um, the type checking is, it's again, kind of things like, well, you know, th- th- there are certain rules. I mean, I, I, truth be told, I never really had a huge problem with, 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 you know, manual memory management, although I was super happy when ARC came along, if nothing else, it just gets rid of tons of boilerplate. Um, so it, it, it and, and having seen this presentation saying it's fine, you know, going from objective C to Swift is, is pretty much easy peasy with, with few exceptions. Going from Swift to Objective C is almost it, it, if to to listen to this guy tell it is like it's it's so it's technically possible but just not at all worth it if you enjoy your sanity. So, and and I guess that that that's where it comes in. It's like it, the the two kind of can mix, but you'd have to say you know is it really worth it and and where the boundaries are right. So I, I can kind of see if if you had model classes that were all in Objective C, like you know you had a whatever. Let's say you had something that talked to some strange backend service and you didn't really want to rewrite it, um, but you wanted to build a, a new UI layer in Swift. That that seems to be completely possible. But then you know having an application where some view controllers are in Swift and some are Objective C, maybe that's a good boundary. I I, I don't personally have that experience. Um, from my understanding of Justin Williams' article, that seems to be the, the case. I just it really, I guess it always depends on where the boundaries are. But these, these are these. As I, I kind of come to back to, to what we were talking about, it, it, it's you know, it, it's these are not technical decisions so much as 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 business decisions that that you just have to kind of sit down and, and talk about it, maybe whiteboard it to, to kind of think about you know what, what you lose with each one. And I think from a business perspective, there are, you know, there are certain applications that, that say, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, an FTP client like Anarchy, where they basically, where you might say, or Interarchy, sorry, where you have tons of university customers or something like that who have old machines and they're valuable customers and, and you, you've got revenue for them. I think that makes sense. But yeah, I think it's hard for me to imagine trying to support a code base that goes beyond, uh, you know, one or two op- versions of the operating system back. And it's just not pleasurable either. I mean, every yeah. release every release gets harder and harder and harder, and it makes you not enjoy working on your code. And the less you enjoy working on your code, to be honest, I think, you know, good products, you can feel the happiness of the developer. Um, yeah, that's true. And you know, when when the developer is miserable because they're supporting a whole bunch of really old crappy code, um, I think sometimes that's felt in the product. Not, you know, not making a you know, generalistic statement there, but I think you know that sometimes is true. Indeed. So, I mean, are there any features that have come out in in recent years, um, you know, on, on macOS or on iOS, um, where you felt actually? This feature is good enough that I'm going to drop all pass support and just go for the current OS. 
I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain a little bit. It's not so much that there were features that, that it, so much as it, it, it was a point that you made, I guess, last episode, that it just sometimes it takes two or three revisions to, to be you know, worth having done. And, and certainly auto layout comes to mind. I think even core data to, for, to a certain respect. And, and I've, I've done some projects with core data, but I definitely don't have the core data religion. Um, there are certain things that, that it's, just, it's total overkill. Um, and so, but, but, you know, I think that, that, that having a performant uh, application in, in the first versions of core data, it seems like it was a lot trickier than, than, it, than, than when they, you know, allowed you to have separate, uh, uh, you know, editing contexts on different threads. Oh, sorry, not even editing contexts. Is that what they call them in core data? Man, I really am showing my age. Managed, um, managed object contexts. Man, yes, mocks. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so uh, but a, a single feature that you know that that wasn't available, no. But I think it was more the the like for instance there were there were it, it, one thing that immediately came to mind are, are you know zip file backward incompatibility. So on the Mac, for instance, there when 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 they drop support for interface builder plugins, you could easily end up with with you know zip files that that you could. You could the app would run on on a newer version of the operating system, but God help you if you tried to open it in a version of IB that didn't support the plugin, you couldn't load the plugin, and you were really in a bad shape. Codebase um, I'm working on now, Interface Builder three plugins can't go anywhere near those zips and open it yep, in Xcode. Yeah. You know, I'd have to go back and open it in Xcode three. Um, yeah. You know, because it, that that area just hasn't been done. I think you know, my reality on that is is those those zips are just going to get rewritten. But of course, again, you know, this is. The plugins were for controls that no longer exist as well. So you have to, you know, they were doing some custom UI and maybe now that custom UI isn't needed. So, you know, this, this bringing your app up to date, even though it might feel like a lot of work every time a release comes out, you know, you just, without doing something on a regular basis, you are building up a technical debt that you might reach the point. And that's sort of what's happened with the, this code base I have now that, you know, it's just not worth the effort to, to the, the developer, the original developer, to do it anymore, um, for, for for you know lots of lots of other reasons, uh, you know lots of reasons of which you know having to bring the code base up to date is such a big job. So you know you're for the longevity of your application, you you know regardless of features, you need to be sort of looking at some of this stuff and being very careful about adopting stuff. It'd be interesting you know to see how fast people adopt Xcode plugins, editor plugins, in in um, I guess it's a bit different because that's about the environment, not about your final app. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, IB plugins, nasty things. Well, I mean, I I certainly personally feel burned by them, but I there I'm not the only one. There are plenty of, of people. I mean, my gosh, anybody who ever used Rainer Brockers Rainer Brockerhoff's excellent RB split view, which basically did things that NS split view just simply didn't do, and even now, I think I don't know. It's it's it's. It's it's kind of sad, and, and that was that was a that was a deep and, and lasting blow. I mean, I, I, my therapist says that in another year I should probably be over it, but it's I still have a long slog of pain to work through. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was one of your big um, issues when you were working more full time on Memory Miner that yeah. you know, you'd use Split View in there because it added a whole bunch of functionality that you know made the app a lot better. Um, but it reached a point where it made you actually being able to update the app into a, a more modern application quite challenging. Yep, indeed, indeed. Well, gosh, Scotty, we've been going for a little while. I don't know, should we uh, should we bring this ship home? 
I think I think John that um, you know I think we've had a decent discussion in there. It's a discussion that's been had before, and it's probably ha- we happen again about this time next year. I'm I'm sure. Uh, be interested to know people's views out there. If you want to um, uh, drop us a, an email or, or or a tweet or something, um, then then please do and um, tell us you know, we're, we're idiots or point out things that we've not got right. Um, just just a question. Do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's no. Let's not go there. No, let's not go there. We'll do it another. We'll do it another time. We're just going to open a whole can of worms that we can we can save for another show. Why use up material and throw it away, John? It's, you know, this material is valuable stuff. We don't have much of it. Let's not. <laughs> it's it's like you know we need to be we need to be eco friendly and well, you know with our material because you know it will run out one day. So um anyway, John, if people have um any interest at all for some strange reason in what um either of us have got to say outside of this podcast or even in it for that matter, um you know where can they find you? Well, you can find me on the Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the Afri- West African drum. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. And uh, you can find the show notes for this show at iDeveloper.co. Right, it's John. It's been a pleasure, as always, speaking with you. Um, It's now 4.18 in the morning. I am going to go and see if uh, the, the sound of your voice in my ear was all I needed to soothe me into a deep and beautiful slumber. And for those those of you who are still awake at the end of uh, end of this, I I hope that you too have decent sleep whenever you next need it. And until next time, thanks for listening, and you take care. 